and we ended with this phrase. Simply stated, we drink by faith. The way you drink the wine of the new covenant is just to believe it is flowing freely to you right now. So we talked about in that um, last, last week about how we drink in the joy of union. What do we mean by the joy of union? The union, uh, we are in him and he is in us. So since there is nothing left for us to do, what do we do now? In other words, Jesus did it all. He, he bore our sickness. He bore our pains. And we found out that we actually died when he died. Spiritually, mystically, connected with Christ, that when he died, we went into the grave with him. We were buried with him. When you're baptized, when you're water baptized, that's what you're actually doing. You're actually doing a, the, the physical representation of what happened to you 2,000 years ago. That is over. It's over. It's done. You know, and there's a teaching that goes around that says that you have to crucify yourself again. You don't have to crucify yourself again. You can't crucify yourself again. It's not even possible. You were crucified with Christ already. So there's nothing left for you to do when it comes to that. So what do we do? Well, we drink in the joy of union. Okay, that's what we do. And how do you drink in the joy of union? Well, you do it by faith. You believe that it's flowing to you right now. You believe that that joy is flowing to you right now. And that's kind of how we ended that. But I want to read a little more in this because he goes into more detail. Because there, it, like I said, there is a teaching that talks about how you have to crucify the flesh. Crucify the flesh. You have two natures. You're fighting with your other nature. And it's you and your nature. And you're fighting and you're back. And psh, psh. well, I lost my fight today and I just was a sinner. So tomorrow I'll try to do better. And all of this kind of works teaching. And this is what he says. He says, stop owning the sinful nature as if it's still hanging around for you to kill. Stop owning fearful, anxious thoughts that belong to the past. Believe that you are in Christ and that Christ is in you. Negative or sinful feelings can come on strong, really strong, and it is impossible at times to stop them. But that does not mean that you have to agree with them or own them. You know, and, you know, Kenneth Hagin used to teach this too, and others. They say, you, can't, you know, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> that is definitely something you can keep from happening. But he said this, he says, instead, agree that the old corrupted emotional life died with Christ. Now you are a recipient, a recipient of new resurrected emotions. You are a joint participant in the emotional life of Christ. That is so good. You are a joint participant in the emotional life of Christ. And if you've ever seen Christ, that's a good thing to be a participant of his emotions. You've probably heard it said before from the mouth of, this is his words, some grumpy preacher. I probably have taught this myself. We live by faith, not by feelings! Exclamation. Often their intent for saying this was to sort of quench your party, as if to say, don't get too happy. Maybe you were having too much fun or getting a little too excited about something. Settle down. We live by truth, not by feeling. What the grumpy preacher said was true, even if his intent was misguided. You live by faith. You live by truth, not by feelings. But the truth comes not to kill your buzz, but to enhance it. <laughs> I love that. The truth is that... Enhancer. The truth is the dance floor that holds up the whole party and Jesus is the life of the party. The truth, this is what the truth is. The truth is the dance floor. 
and he holds up the whole party. <laughs> the truth is that you have been grafted into joy unspeakable and full of glory. The truth is that your old addicted self was exterminated and doesn't exist anymore. You died a real and verifiable death on Christ's cross. The truth is that every day for you is a new existence in heavenly wonderland. Even the worst of external circumstances have no power to quench their factual and internal, internal reality. Now listen to this. The truth is that you do not have to kill off or fight those negative emotions or sinful appetites. This is very true, you guys, what he's saying here. This is the truth. You do not have to kill off or fight negative emotions. The truth is that the old appetites have already died. Stop trying to shadow box something that doesn't exist. Agree with the truth that you are a new creation. You don't make yourself new. Stop striving. Rest in the reality that the old you is dead and powerless. It was nailed to the tree. The new you is enthralled with the pleasures of God. The truth leaves no other options but joy. Whether you feel it or not, you are now one body and one spirit with Christ. Rest in that reality and you will feel his presence. Faith comes before the feeling and faith is simply trust. Believe that this mystical death really took place and you will cease to act like that dead man. Very simply, the gospel is a revelation that you have died with him. Isn't that good, you guys? It's so good. This is the, I consider this book, I'm reading from Mystical Union by John Crowder. I consider this book a modern classic. I really do. I put this up with ever-increasing faith, and you know, I believe in visions by Kenneth Hagin, you know, Believer's Authority. I put this book up there with those. I really do. I have said it multiple times. I've read it for many years. This is a, he did a very, very good job of, and you know, he puts his, he puts his sources in there. You know, he, he's read different, different authors and different people and put it in here. Um, but the revelation is the revelation of Christ himself, of all the things that we could be going after, spiritually speaking, the whole point is him. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha, the Omega, everything in creation. The reason that people don't understand scriptures is because they don't understand that they're talking about Christ. Every single scripture from the very beginning of Genesis to the very end of Revelation is all about him. Everything's about him. Everything. It was, it's the story of Christ revealed in a shadow form in the, in the Torah and in a revealed form in the, the writings of the apostles. It's, it's the same story. You know, so this, so this idea that we have this sinful nature and that we have to go and crucify it over and over and over again is not found in the Bible. They don't teach this. There's scriptures that people and I, I'll show you some things, okay? In Christ, you are free from sin. You do not have to fight with sin. You just don't, it's not you. It's no longer you. And it's very simple to understand, but for some reason this keeps creeping back in, the opposite of this. But look at this. One of the repercussions of this gospel message is that it leaves no more room for active sin in the life of a believer. By making theological room for a sinful nature that no longer exists, religion conveniently gives you a myriad of excuses for bad behavior. Quote, 
it's okay. We're still sinners. No, you're not. <laughs> well, nobody's perfect. The Bible says you are. Well, well, we'll all struggle on this side of heaven. You're already seated in heavenly places. I'm only hu human. Not if you're a Christian. <laughs> of course, we all sin every day. What Bible verse is that? Are you even saved? <laughs> I love it. Some would criticize us for preaching what they assume to be perfection theology. They would say the gospel is not this simple, that our efforts are still necessary to, quote, kill the flesh or to overcome the old self. My answer is this. I'm not just preaching perfection. I preach perfect perfection. This is not the old school sinless perfection theology that the early Wesleyans and the holiness movement preachers advocated. Those guys said it is impossible for a Christian to sin. And a lot of that devolved into a do-it-yourself, clean-yourself-up legalism. Nor are we preaching self-righteousness. Just the opposite. We are talking about God-given righteousness that manifests in an easy, happy, holy life. We're not saying it is impossible for a Christian to sin, but what we are saying that you don't have to sin another day in your life because you are now completely evil-free. Living with sin is not your standard. Normative Christianity is sin-free living because you are thoroughly cleansed of evil. You are not a sinner. This is it's true. Now, I want to cover this last one. One may ask, can you really claim to be without sin? Doesn't the Bible say that makes you a liar? The Apostle John writes, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1.8. It is always important to put scriptures into context because this verse is tantamount to 1 John 1.10. Only two verses later where he writes, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. John is talking about past tense sin. Of course, we have all sinned at some point. We are born into a fallen world, but Christ has changed that. John is not saying that believers are still sinners. We all acknowledge that we have sinned before at some point in our past. In fact, we all lived a false, a false identity completely possessed and depraved by sin. Know that John is largely focusing his letter toward Gnostic heresies. Gnostics who denied that they were even ever sinners. Without an acknowledgement of sin, there is no hope of conversion, for we can never profess a need for a Savior. Some Gnostics went so far as to say that Christ never suffered thus repudiating the essential purpose of his coming, to die for the sins of mankind. But now that you have received Christ's death as your own, a supernatural transformation has taken place back to your true identity. John doesn't say you're still a sinner. John goes on to tell us in this very same letter that if you go on sinning, you are a child of the devil. He clearly says that you can't be both a saint and a sinner. It's impossible. So you don't have this dual nature going on inside of you and that's the whole point of this and this is what we were saying like what is the foundation for these encounters we're having with god is the fact that we are righteous in him we are just we are saved and this is this is the teaching too that you know we we come out of you know word of faith teaching and this is what they teach in there too i am holy i am righteous i am saved i don't have to sin again because sin is not in me you know, and so he he you know he talks about that in this book, and then he talks again. Um, um, if I'm not a sinner, why do I still sin? He talks about that in the book as well. Um, we don't have a sinful nature. Why do I still sin? And again, this is the disparity between what people believe and then what their daily lives look look like. They think because I still sin, then surely I have a sinful nature. But it's true, you don't have a sinful nature anymore. 
We are faith-based mystics. If you still wrestle with sin as a believer, there are a couple of questions as to why this may be. This question has a multiple-choice answer. Question, if I don't have a sinful nature, why do, I, why do I still sin? A, maybe you're an unbeliever. B, maybe no one ever told you any of this. For most of you reading, this option A is not true for you. You are a Christian, obviously an unbeliever, to still live by the, the false identity as a sinner. However, it is possible that you actually never heard or believed the gospel, even though you clocked into church for decades. You know, and I, I agree with that. You know, that there's a lot of people that don't realize that sin is taught so hard in, in these churches and how you have to refine yourself and do better next time and I'm going to do better and we're all failing and we're all sinners and we're all this and we're all that and it's completely contrary to the gospel message. And so if you believe that, you will. You will struggle. I'm just struggling. Well, there you go. You just created that for yourself. So the foundation for all of this is the fact that we have been brought in mystically and if you cannot see that, that is a spiritual realm. Sin is spiritual. It looks natural, but it is definitely spiritual. Oh, I'm not spiritual. Be like, well, do you have you ever sinned? <laughs> yeah, well, then you're very spiritual. That's a spiritual thing. It's a it's a it's a destructive spiritual influence, but it is spiritual. But what happened to us is we were brought into Christ's death. We were brought into Christ's death. We were not brought into our own our death. His death was ours. And if you look. In the, in the Torah, and you see the, the, the types of things that happen under the law. Paul was right. The law brings death. They were stoned. They were killed. People were killed. Tons of people died under the law because the law brings death. Now, the law is holy and good. But what is it there for? It points in a certain direction. Every single time that you're trying to make yourself better and do better for God, you bring about death. Because the more you do that, the more sin comes alive and deceives you. You see? So that's why Jesus saved us from living a life like that. So he saved us already. We're not going to be saved. We have been saved. So this is, so again, remember, salvation is by grace through faith. Faith means that you trust him. if that makes sense. So what we're talking about here is leaving behind these ideas that there's some type of struggle going on in us. The Bible says very clearly, awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness. How much work did you do when you awoke? You just opened your eyes and now you're awake. You see? Open your eyes. Awake. Awaken to who you are. Awaken to righteousness. Oh, there's a lot of people doing a lot of bad stuff, Jamin. You don't understand they're doing a lot of bad stuff. That's what they tell you. Awake to righteousness. You don't look to the world for your answers. You're seated with him in heavenly places. And there are many people coming into this revelation. Many people coming into the revelation of the grace of God that they have been brought into his resurrection. You can't go and kill an old man that's already dead. It's already buried. That's what the whole, that's what I was saying earlier. That's what water baptism is all about. If you were raised up with him, you were raised in righteousness. You died in sin because the law brings death. And sin takes that opportunity when the law is spoken to deceive you <laughs> and bring more judgment and death because the end is, you know, so we do these little things and sometimes people will, 
do something where they create their own little law, their own little legal system, you know, a religious legal system that doesn't even have to do with the actual law because, you know, the pure law just brings death. <laughs> if you really want the, you know, the actual culmination of it. But see, this is what we're saying, that we don't have to go and kill the old man because the old man died in Christ. So now we live out of our union with him, not apart from him, not some idea where we have, oh, you know, there's the good me and the bad me. You know, you ever see Tom and Jerry and he has the little, he has the angel, uh, Jerry or Tom, it's the, it's the cat. He has the angel and the, the, the Jerry, the mouse also had the same one. Um, they have the little angel version of them and the little devil version and they have this back and forth conversation and then they decide which one to go with the angel or the devil. And I think people feel like that in their own lives that there's a bad person and a good person in them, but there's not, not in Christ. You've been made alive in Christ. The reason that people act out certain things that is not them is because either they never heard it or they're operating in unbelief. They're not believing it. Does that make sense? That's an unbelieving thing to do. You don't believe, well, who are you really? You're in Christ. The rest of that is not your identity. You're not those things anymore, you know? And those are the kind of things that I think, you know, we're just kind of coming into. So when we're talking about having, you know, these encounters with the Lord and these experiences that we're all having, you know, these dreams, these visions, these, these experiences we're having when we're in prayer and we're, and we're doing meditative prayer and stuff, all of that is on the foundation of, like I was saying earlier, of all the things that I've learned over the past few years and the, and the, the transition, it comes from this foundation. I'm no longer having to work myself up into God. I'm no longer having to put down a flesh or put down a this or that. I've been made anew in him. I am righteous because of him. I am holy. Well, guess what that looks like? It looks like righteousness and holiness. That's exactly what it looks like. You just, that's who you are. You're not reforming yourself. You're not making yourself more holy. You know, like you said, it's not a new legalism system. The scripture's clear. Awake to righteousness. It's like, well, this is perfection, Jamie, and you're talking about being perfect. Well, I like what he said. I'm not teaching perfection theology. I'm teaching perfect perfection. <laughs> because Christ was perfect. He is who, as he is, the Bible says, so are we in this world, in this life. As he is, so are we. So anytime you think about, oh, I'm struggling with this, as he is, so am I. As he is right now, so am I. Is he holy? Yes, you are holy. Is he righteous? Yes, it's not my self-righteousness. It's his righteousness. It's not my holiness. It's his holiness. As he is, so am I. And as he is, so are you. So what do we identify with? Do I, we identify with some fallen nature that is dead and in the ground because Jesus crucified it with himself? The Bible says that the entire world was crucified past, present, and future. So why do we see what we see? Because either A, they haven't heard, or B, they don't believe it. It's one of those two things. That's the only, those are the only two things it can possibly be. Because it literally is a fact. It is a proven fact of the cross. You died with him, and you are raised with him, righteous, holy, and perfect. As he is, so are you. So this isn't always taught this way. It gets a little muddy sometimes. 
where we're working on things. I'm working on things, you know. It's tough in this world. Things are tough, you know. Yeah, I'm a work in progress. They, we have all sorts of little things that we say. But again, are you a work in progress apart from God? Well, basically, you're a complete failure, honestly. And that's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Because, like, you're so good at this, you basically will just die. Why? Because you won't be able to do it. As much as you think you've kept the law, you haven't. As much as you think you're perfect and you're such a goody two-shoes, you aren't. You are good because he is good. You are righteous because he is righteous, not because of your stuff. And the Bible is very clear. Your goodness is his filthy rags. Your righteousness, your works of righteousness is poop. That's what he says in the Bible. Very clearly, it's poop. <laughs> it is really good for nothing. So why would we want to go around and, and claim that that's anything? It's not there. So again, it's, remember what I said before, choose reality. Not choose your reality, choose the actual reality. The actual reality is Christ. That's the reality. Where do these mystical experiences come from? They come from our union with him because as he is, so are we in this life. You see what I'm saying? The foundation for all things that we have are found in him, not apart from him. Not because, and I think oils are great. I think, you know, stones and whatever, they have them all in the Bible. They're great. I think it's all great. But how do we have this encounter with God? It's because of the, of the son, Yeshua. The Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. That's his name. Yahweh is salvation. You say, well, Yahweh killed people. The law killed people. The wages of sin is death. Yahweh is salvation. You see, the law points towards salvation. The law doesn't point towards death, but the law tells you for sure. You cannot do these things and obtain righteousness. You will die. The law is right. The law is just and the law is perfect, but you are not apart from him. That man, that sin in, um, infected being before Christ had to die. That's the only way out. But since you died with him, you have now been raised with him. You are now seated with him in heaven. And the Bible says there is no more death for you. That's good. That's good news. There's no more death for you. Well, I know Christians that died. They didn't die. They're alive. Well, why are they alive? How can you say they're alive? Because they're in the glory of God and there is no death in him. So they are not dead. They are alive. The Bible says don't speak to the dead, right? They're not dead. They're in glory. If you ever encounter somebody in the glory, they aren't dead and you know they're not dead. It's exactly them, but in a glorified ver version of them, in a beautiful um discovered version of them where they are in him and, and, and the world is, is quite a bit different than we think it is from the heavenly perspective. And I encourage everyone to go into heaven in your heart, go in, go into heaven in the heavenly realms through Christ and see where you are. See this beautiful inheritance we have in this wonderful family. We have such a beautiful, wonderful family. It's, it's just, they love us so much, you guys. They love us so much. And our angels love us so much. It is overwhelming, the amount of love that comes from heaven. It is overwhelming. And I just trust me when I say this, okay? When you just think, meditate on the love that comes from above, the place that we've been brought, because we haven't just been brought into being saved from our sin. We've also been brought into a family, a huge family that loves us, and they know this. It's always been about Yeshua. Yahweh saves. He saved you. What did he save you from? He saved you from sin. You don't have an old sin nature you have to fight with. That thing died. That's what the baptism's all about. Why? If it didn't, we'd be 
up and down and up and down. Oh, that one came back up. We got to push it back down again. You, you don't have that happening. You say, oh my goodness, we had seven bodies come out of the grave again last week. We had to rebury them. No, you don't have to rebury bodies. When they're in, they're in. And that old man is gone. But what came up? Not an old man. A new man came up. So that's who you are. So when we're having these encounters with Jesus, we're having them out of the life of the Spirit and the fact that we are one with him. Don't go through formulas. Oh, I got to do this and got to do that before I have a, a spiritual experience. You've already had that encounter. The encounter was with Christ himself. He brought you in through his body, his actual body. You were brought into the heavenly realms. You were brought in through him. And many, this is how they all, this is how we all come in. Everybody comes in this way. There, if anyone says, oh, I came in another way, they're not telling the truth. You only come in through him. Well, I did this and that, and then I had a heavenly experience. Nope, you came in through Christ. <laughs> You may have done this, that, and the other thing, and, and you may have enjoyed the Lord when you were doing it, and good, that's good. But Christ is the one that has brought you into heaven. Well, they died and went to heaven. Well, they went to heaven not because they died. They went to heaven because of Christ. You see the difference? Stop worshiping death, people. Stop worshiping it. Death is not your door into heaven. Jesus is. Jesus has always been the door. I am the door. He said it very clearly. I am the door. To what? Eternal life. See? Hello? Yeah, it's kind of like, how many times do we have to say this? But I'll tell you, traditional teaching, teaching that is based purely on tradition, because you heard it from this person, you heard it from that person, you heard it from this person, and this is the way it's always been. And they use a word, orthodoxy. Okay, so it's orthodox. This is the orthodoxy. Well, why is it? Well, orthodoxy equals, it's a traditional teaching that's been carried on. Well, have we ever reconsidered that maybe the orthodoxy before your orthodoxy didn't teach that? And what about the orthodoxy before that orthodoxy? You see what I'm saying? So we have this man-made thing, but do we go back to the root, to the source? What did the disciples teach? What did Jesus say? What did he say? And what, what is the end result of that teaching? What you find a lot of times, if people teach, you got to fix this, you got to fix that, you got to fix the other thing, you know what you find? A lot of sin and a lot of death. Why is that? Because the wages of sin is death. And if you teach the law, you will get the fruit of the law. And the fruit of the law is not righteousness, it's death. So if you're legalistic, you will not see righteousness. But if you teach the gospel of grace through Jesus Christ and to awake to righteousness, you will see the fruit of that. So there's some things, you know, that as we're... Um, growing in the knowledge of God. There's some paradigms that we've had in our mind that were taught to us by religious men's systems that will start to dissolve in the light of the full truth of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And so I think there are going to be many, many people that teach this clearly in the future. And a lot of these old, you know, and again, we're going to have great big groups too. We're going to have huge places of people loving Jesus together, but they're not going to be based around works. They're not going to be based around everybody working their way up into God. They're coming out of people who are drinking deeply of the joy of the Lord. Drinking deeply of the Spirit. You see? We can do it. It's so easy. It's so effortless. Salvation is effortless, people. Well, there's a lot of work involved. Well, there was work involved. Someone did do the work. Our big brother, Jesus. 
and he loves us very much and he wants us to live through his work. We cannot recreate what he did. We live out of the finished work of Christ. Our encounters we have, our experiences we have with him, they didn't give us new righteousness. Our righteousness was already established by Christ. The experiences come from the joy. They come from the joy of knowing him. They come from the, the fruit and, the, and the, the, I don't know what to say, the, the, the overcome life. Just These are things that just come out of our lives, these experiences that we have in Christ. Because I think sometimes people feel like if they have a lot of experiences that they're kind of attaining a higher level of spirituality, but it has nothing to do with that. I think of it more like, what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy? When you hear the truth of Jesus and you say, I can drink that cup. That's a good cup. Now, again, his cup, he has a cup of suffering too. It all is together. But it's fine because we're enjoying that suffering with him. What kind of suffering, Jamin? Well, you know, not everybody's thrilled about this. <laughs> they weren't thrilled about it with the early church. They didn't like the freedom and the joy that they had. So they were persecuted for it. But you know what? They saw it, they counted it as all joy. Counted it as all joy, the Bible says, when you suffer persecutions. When people say, Jamin's lost it. <laughs> well, hey, here I am. I don't believe I've lost it. I think I found it, you know? And people may say that. They say, that's weird. You think about the Lord a lot. Isn't one week, one day a week enough for you? Like, listen, I'm too far in, you guys. I drank too much of the new wine, and now here I am, lost in him. That's where I'll always be. And I will just get more and more lost in him. But I won't lose sight of everyone around me, of course, because we're all in him. And the love that he gives us flows to each one. And it never dissipates. It only increases. So the more I'm lost, the more you'll like being around me. <laughs> you know, there's people that, um, I was reading the other day, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, one of these guys, um, you know, they had an experience where they went to heaven and they came back. And at first they were having a hard time. You know, the family was having a hard time accepting the fact that this, you know, husband had gone to heaven and he talked about it. But over time, they started to realize something had happened to him and, and the love of God that was in his life started to really show a lot. Like they were different. And, and over time, just the very change that took place in them through their encounters in heaven, they said, I think I need that too. It was actually just the fruit of what was happening to them that actually was the proof you know, because sometimes when you share encounters with people, they may not like it. And I understand that. You know, I talk pretty, pretty, pretty plainly on my podcast. I mean, I probably talk a little plainly off even more so. But, you know, I know sometimes people may have a, a problem hearing about encounters. You know, again, that's what the Bible is from Genesis to Revelation. It's an entire book of encounters, one after another, experience after experience. Um, and they are all very strange None of them, would you say, are normal. I think every single one has a non-normal aspect to it, which we would call spiritual. And so you're going to have encounters like this too. And when you share them with people, some people may not believe. But it isn't our job to get everybody on the same page. You know, God will do that. God's working with each person individually. You know, everybody has a way that God's leading them. So that's okay. That's okay. But I think sometimes we don't realize 
you know, that there is going to be a difference as we're growing. So these encounters actually change us, you know, and I've saw that many times, you know, some of these experiences that I've had and I come back and I'm like, I don't even know what happened to me, but something is good. I don't know. And so I just, and I, I feel like God put a seed of certain things in me too that actually started to transform me through time, physically. Say, well, that sounds a bit much. Well, I believe it. I believe it. I believe that there are physical changes happening to people right now, physical, in their physical body. You know, we, we see healings. Well, that's a change in your physical body. And then we hear, we've also heard of divine health. Divine health means you just don't ever get sick. That's also a physical change. But there are even more because we also know that when Jesus went out to the mountain, that he shone bright like the sun. We call that a transfiguration. We also know that when Stephen was preaching while they, just before they martyred him, that he was also shining. So we know that there are cases in Scripture where this change in our physical body can be even more than just healing and health, but also there's a shining that takes place where we actually bring out light. That is scriptural. So we see this happening. Now we know that when Paul was on the road to Damascus, a bright light. Well, what's the bright light? Well, he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That would be Yeshua. That's Jesus. Okay. Appeared as a bright light. Okay. So now we know we have light coming out of us because we are children of light in a kingdom of light. That's who we are. Again, back to what we were saying. We're not sin nature. This, you see why that's the foundation for all of this? If you're struggling with something and you're fighting this sin and this, that, you ha- you're not living in the finished work of the cross. You're living in a cross plus works. But if I'm shining as the sun, if I'm shining a shining one or a light bringer that brings light because that light that you have within you, the, the, the truth of Jesus has done it all, actually physically can come out in your body. You say, like, in other words, the physical realm and the spiritual realm are connecting now. And now actually as you speak forth light coming from your mouth, and some have seen sparks and light coming out of their mouth, your skin can shine. Jesus was showing us this. Jesus gave me a vision as well when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration where he shone like the sun and I saw these gigantic cylinders with look like giant pencils with a, with a little point on the end of it. And I saw Elijah and I saw Moses and both of them had it and they were pointed right into the middle, right at Jesus. They were pointers. The law and the prophets are pointers. It's always been about him. And then he shines like the sun. And there he is on the top of, which one is it? The mountain where the watchers made their deal from Enoch. And there he is bringing it all back. Even from that point, that fall, he brought them back. You know, so if you read that, this is an Enoch. So this is, that's where he was. He was on top of that same mountain. That's the mountain where they made their deal. Oh, yeah. So when does the renewing of the mind happen? This is what this is right now. <laughs> this is, well, our mind is renewed. Yeah, who is Yeshua. He renews us. And when we say recollect, remember who you are. Recollect, remember, remember, remember. Your mind is going off in here. Remember, you bring it back under. Remember who you are. Come into the rest. 
Why is that? Am I just remind? So it's kind of like, here comes the, you know, you're a little shepherd with your shepherd hook and here's a sheep back into the fold and back into the fold. Is it a work that you're doing? No, it's just you remembering. Now, do you have to remember when you live in it? No, but you might have to remember from time to time. Again, like we were saying before about the birds over your head, you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. You know, you just remember who you are. That's how you live out of it. It's just a simple thing. Because you're still in the world. So you have to be like, the world's like, bah, bah, bah. you're like, I don't, I can safely ignore the world. The world is like telling me garbage. I don't have to pay any attention to that at all. You know what I'm saying? And it's a very simple thing to do, but you do have to remind yourself, you know, and again, even physical pain, you know, in your body, that speaks. Your body might speak, you know, you have different ones. So you just kind of bring it into recollect. In what? Complete in him. You know, I'm complete in him. Remind yourself. Remember when we were talking about healing the other night and we were saying, by his stripes I am healed, by his stripes I am healed, and the pain is still there, by his stripes I am healed. Why am I saying by his stripes I am healed? I am recollecting on the fact that my body has been brought under the subject to subjection to Christ himself and his stripes purchase complete healing for my body. So as I'm meditating on that, I'm bringing that under. Now I may say it out loud, by his stripes I am healed. You're doing the same thing. You're just bringing your whole body, your soul and your body into recollection into remembrance of who you are. So you just remind yourself again. And you remind yourself again. Are you becoming more spiritual? Nope. You're just reminding yourself, did I become more righteous? Nope. You are 100% grade A righteous. It doesn't get any more righteous than you. Why is that? Because your righteousness comes from him, not from your works. You see the difference there? So do you have to remind yourself? I have to remind myself that I'm righteous. Why is that? Well, because I may have forgot. So now I remember, you know? And, and if you operate out of that place over time, as you remember, you can remember the deeper things, the ancient paths. You can keep going, you know? Do you remember that you were with him in the beginning? I don't remember that yet, but you were. At the very beginning, the very, very beginning. Yes, at the very, very beginning, where all of God's children shouted and the whole universe shook. You were there. I was. Yes, you were. <laughs> you were with him in the beginning. Do you remember that yet? Nope, but you will. So there's more to remember. But you are righteous because you're one of his sons. And you are very, very special. You are very, very special. I, I honestly don't believe anyone has any idea how special we are, but we are starting to learn. But the specialness level of a human being is through the roof. Nobody has any idea. But Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit reminds us of everything. It's good. It's good. We are reminded continually by the Spirit bringing to our mind the things that were shared with us and the fact that we came back from the beginning. It does appear that it is a little later than I realized, so I probably will stop now. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great rest of your day.